Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Now, before we get into the word this morning, just want to say a couple of things. Uh, firstly, for Jane and I, uh, it's, a, it's a, a weekend to rejoice. Our third grandchild was born on Friday morning in sunny California near San Diego where Joe, our eldest son and his wife Jess and family are. So we've had a little grandson. Uh, We already have two granddaughters, Nolan and Rowie, but we have a grandson now and his name is Zeeland Rise, Zeeland Rise Urquhart. And the guys just love that kind of name, Zeal, and, uh, and so they've called him Zeeland. And there's a particular meaning for the reason Rise as well, Zealand Rise Urka and his two bigger sisters. They absolutely love him. They're going a bit hyper at the moment because they've got this little baby to play with and to look after. Um, so we're kind of celebrating in the Urka clan uh, for another addition to uh, who we are as a family. For those who want the details, he was six pounds, 14 ounces and he was 53 centimetres long. So if you want all that detail, then, uh, then there it is. So I uh, don't know when we're gonna get over there to see them, hopefully sometime soon. Uh, we'll see what, uh, what happens. So uh, yeah, so we're rejoicing over that in our, in our household. Secondly, um, as, as you all know, we're, we're one church in many locations and, and God spoke to us a number of years ago, particularly about this 25 mile radius, to pray into this region uh, and to see him move powerfully uh, across this, uh, this kind of area of the country. And part of that is to develop congregations uh, across the, 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 the region. And, and so obviously before lockdown earlier in the year, we were meeting locally in our respective congregations. And uh, since lockdown, we've kind of uh, been uh, streaming all of the Sunday mornings. And uh, that's because we're one church in many locations and, and we're streaming to who we are as a church. Some people, I think, sometimes think that they might be connecting into the Horsham congregation on a Sunday rather than uh, the local expression where you are. Uh, we're, we're not streaming the Horsham service. This is Kingdom Faith Church in our area, and we're four congregations connecting into who we are as a people on a Sunday. So whatever congregation you're in, uh, we're streaming right into your home, and it's been brilliant to to have the different congregation leaders uh, leading services, speaking uh, on a Sunday morning. Why? Because we're one church in many locations. And coming into next year, we want to see obviously an increase of what God is, is doing in us and through us. And uh, so it's, it's so good just to be one church uh, where we are. I know it might feel sometimes a little bit in all the locations, no matter what congregation it is, maybe sometimes it has felt a little bit like, well, we don't quite have the same local identity as we had when we were meeting locally. And obviously that is a bit of a challenge at this time. Hopefully as we come into the new year with, uh, with things changing, Uh, and we'll see what guidelines there are and everything else and uh, what might be possible to really just begin to strengthen locally what is going on and begin to gather in in different ways. And we'll we'll look at that and we'll let you know what that's going to look like early in the new year. So let's get into the word this morning. Now, Pastor Colin brought a brilliant message last week and, and last Sunday was the start of Advent. Advent means the coming of or the arrival of. And we know Advent is all about the coming of Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world. And so Advent kind of starts the last Sunday of November. And there's four elements to Advent. One is, is joy, another one is hope, another one is love, and another one is peace. And those four key elements are, are all connected into why Jesus came and what he fulfilled in and through his, his life. And last week, Pastor Colin brought a great word and he used the, uh, the analogy of a diamond and he, he brought uh, Pastor Caroline's uh, engagement ring, which is a solitaire diamond. And he used that as an example of, of uh, a diamond is multifaceted and it, and it obviously um, uh, shows different colours and, and, and therefore the way the light goes out through a diamond, you can see different colours and reflections and everything else through it. And he used that as a parallel to the nature of God's love that is in us, that there's different facets to God's love in us and how God then shines through us to one another and out to those that, that don't know Jesus. 
And uh, it was a great uh, message. And we want to kind of follow on from, from that kind of message of the diamond, the multifaceted aspects of God's love and how that is in us and releases through us. And we want to take that on and really speak about hope and Jesus being the hope of the world, but also for us as believers, as an individual being a person of hope, but also together as a church being a people of hope, okay? And uh, this season, we know coming up to Christmas, uh, hope seems to be in short supply over the last months in our nation. And many people uh, have been kind of, can't wait till this thing is over and things get back to normal in that sense. And uh, that's kind of said a lot, isn't it? Even with this vaccine at the moment, uh, people are, are, their hope is, is even towards that saying, well, well, hopefully we can get this vaccine out and about and get it going. And hopefully maybe by Easter, we can relax all these guidelines and we can be back to normal and hopefully this and hopefully that. And, and it's interesting how the, the hope of the world or the hope in the world uh, is not based on anything concrete. It's not based on anything certain. The hope of the world is, well, I hope, it's hopeful. I, I, I wish this would happen or I'm hoping or it would be nice if, wouldn't it be brilliant if this could happen, but I'm really not sure. And, and that's the kind of hope of the world because there's no foundation, there's no certainty. And there, there's a different kind of hope in the Bible uh, because God is hope and how his hope works in our lives is different than the wishful thinking that is generally what the hope in the world is like. God's hope is not wishful thinking because God's hope is based on something sure and something certain, okay? Let's have a look at John 3, 16 and 17 for a minute. These are really well-known verses and, and how we link the message last week, which is about the multifaceted uh, nature of God's love and then into the hope that we're going to look at uh, at this, this moment. And because we're not going to look at the hope that the world has. We're going to look at the, the hope that we have as believers because of who God is this morning. So John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. So God so loved, so the nature of love here is to give. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his best, okay? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So there's the hope, there's the, there's the hope that follows the love. Because God loved the world, he gave, but he gave for a reason. And when we read what he gave and, uh, and how he gave and why he gave, that then gives hope to the world of something certain that people can come into and receive. It says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's, that's a brilliant promise there that Jesus speaks about. Because God loved and gave, whoever believes in him will receive eternal life. They won't perish. They won't be condemned, as it says in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. What a brilliant message of hope that that is for people. And Jesus describes that in there. Now, as we've already said, uh, many people are looking for light at the end of the tunnel, something to hold onto, something to grab hold of. And in some ways, uh, I don't know about you guys, but the Christmas season uh, for many seems to be maybe more important in terms of what they think it means than it normally is because it's, 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 it's lights, isn't it? And, and even where we live, uh, where we've just recently moved to uh, a couple of weeks ago, already people have got out the front of their houses, lights on their balconies and on their, on the, the frame, you know, the, the kind of roof lines of their houses and, and, and uh, the big kind of, um, uh, designs they put, you know, the, I don't know what they're called, um, that they put on their doors, you know, the big sort of Christmas, um, what do you call them? They're not reefs, are they? Um, whatever they are, green things that they... <laughs> You're all probably laughing at home now going, isn't what he's talking about. Um, but for many, people are looking at the little the Christmas season as a bit of a respite. 
with just a bit of respite from everything going on. And then on from there, people are looking to the vaccine. Well, hopefully that's going to make a difference. And, and, and generally, what are people saying in their minds? Once maybe people are going to be vaccinated, hopefully we can get back to normal. What do people mean by normal? What they really mean is we want to get back to what we know. We want to get back to what is predictable. We want to get back to something that, as far as we're concerned, in people's lives, in terms of what they're saying about themselves, something's a bit more definite, a bit more certain. Why? Because people don't like uncertainty. They don't like to live a life where they don't, they can't, they're not in control. And, and they're not in control of the outcomes and everything else. But God has called us into a life of faith, okay? And a life of faith is one that trusts Him in all circumstances. How does hope begin? Uh, how does faith begin? Faith begins with hope, okay? Why? Because biblical hope is something certain that is on its way, okay? Biblical hope relates to what God will do in fulfilling His Word and His promises to us. So when, when you're not sure, when you're in uncertainty, when you don't know what decision to make, what step to make, when, you, when things around you seem to be a bit shaky, uh, it could be a decision you need to make in your own life, your own family life. It could be that uh, you lead a business uh, and there's some decisions you need to make. Maybe there's some challenges in your work world in that sense. And there's some challenges. Sometimes we, we're not sure what's the right decision. What do I, what do I, I need, I need some direction. I need some clarity. And, and God doesn't want to withhold clarity from us. So we pray and we ask God and we speak because sometimes in situations, especially when they're more challenging, uh, there can be a sense of hopelessness or a sense of I'm, I'm getting weary, I'm getting worn down, I'm losing hope now. And when God speaks, the first thing that happens when he speaks is hope begins to rise in us light at the end of the tunnel. I can begin to see a way through. I can begin to, and what that hope begins to rise in us. And when we then take hold of that hope, yes, God has spoken. I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Then hope becomes faith as we then act upon it and move towards it. So that's how hope and faith work together. God speaks, it releases light at the end of the tunnel. I can see something now. And as we move towards it, because we believe what God is saying, Hope is the doorway into the possibilities of God. And then as we respond to the hope that is rising in us, then faith takes us over the threshold of what God has said into the reality to see it take place. Sometimes there's a gap, isn't there, between God speaking and us seeing it happen. And, and sometimes because we don't know what to do or what God is saying, we need to hear something from him because there isn't necessarily that hope, that clarity that we need. Then God speaks, hope rises. And as hope rises, that becomes faith because we believe what he's saying. We act upon it and we cross the threshold into the reality of that as we respond and do whatever God says for us to do. So what does Hebrews 11 verse 1 say? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith is being sure, sure and certain. Faith or another translation, New King James says, faith is the substance, it's the reality. Sometimes people say, well, you know, you're a person of faith, you're a bit unreal at times uh, because you, you believe what you don't see. Well, the Bible says that faith is the substance of what is of what we hope for. Because we have a hope in who God is, we live in that hope now, knowing that we are born again, knowing that we're children of God. We also live with the hope that one day we are going to be with him forever. And so we live with that hope, knowing that no matter whatever's going on around us, we have a great outcome. We have a great outcome because we are a people of hope. When we're in the midst of a challenging situation right now, uh, on a, maybe in our own lives in different ways, <clears throat> when God speaks, that brings substance into our lives. The substance is called His Word. The substance is called faith. And it says the substance of what we hope for. We're not 
that that hope is not wishful thinking. That hope is what God says he's going to do. And then it says, so the substance uh, or the certainty of what we hope for uh, and, uh, and the certainty, and certain of what we do not see. Then it says in verse two, this is what the ancients were commended for. And the ancients here talks about all of those in Hebrews chapter 10, the men and women of faith that have gone before us generations before, and many of them were living for something that they never saw. They were living for promises in generations to come that they never saw. They also saw in their lifetime, God work and move through them. And so they lived a day by day life of hope and expectation that God would work in and through them in their daily lives. But they also lived with a bigger picture in their lives of, of what God was going to do from one generation to the next that they might never have seen. But it says they were commended for their faith. OK, uh, and God wants to commend us for our faith because we believe what he says in our lives. In Job chapter 11, in the face of challenge that Job was going through, if you don't know the story of Job, um, in a nutshell, um, the, the devil wanted to test someone and God said, OK, you can you can test him, but you can't kill him. And so what happened is everything in Job's life was removed. He lost everything and everybody around him and he was left on his own. Massive challenge. And he could easily have turned around and said, God, where are you? And he went through this massive test, if you like, or massive challenge. And even some of the people around him weren't particularly helpful. They were having a go at him. Why don't you give up on God? Why don't you just at least be honest, Job, and say that God has let you down? But through it all, Job was like, no, my hope is in who he is. My trust is in who God is. Even though everything's changed in my world, he is still the same. And I'm never going to give up on him. And in chapter 11, one of his friends at that moment was being quite positive. And it was like his friend was prophesying to him and encouraging him in all the things that happens when somebody seeks God and when somebody goes after God and when somebody doesn't give up on God. And one of the verses in the midst of this encouraging prophetic word his friend's given him is this. He says, Job, you will be secure. You will be stable because there is hope. And the hope he was talking about there, when you, you translate that, is because God is his hope. It wasn't a wishful thinking hope. It was a certainty of hope. And he says here, you will be secure because there is hope and you will look about you and take your rest in safety. So there's a connection between hope and rest. Living in a place of rest with God, living in a place of abiding. When we lose our hope, we lose our rest. How do you get back then to that place of hope? Well, the first thing is to say, God, this is where I'm at. I, I'm, I've lost the plot. I feel a bit hopeless. I'm not sure which way to go. Things are over. Things are getting on top of me. Things seem to be too much for me at that moment. The first thing, the best thing to do with God is to be honest with him and take a step towards him. What the enemy wants to do is do something around us, speak to us, lie to us, circumstances around it. He wants our heads to drop. He wants our heads to, he wants to look down and, and give up. He wants to feel wearied and burdened. He wants to feel, what's the point? I might as well just give up on all this stuff. What does God do in those moments? He says, hey guys, just lift your head. Even though everything in you emotionally and mentally might be saying, oh, I'm fed up. I've had enough. I want to be out of this. I want change. I want this, that and the other. In the midst of that, God says, hey, just lift your head. Lift your head. And cast your cares upon me. Sometimes when we have to do that, or sometimes when we do that, it feels like we're doing it through gritted teeth. It feels like everything in us has to be like, God, I want to get, because sometimes we, because of what the feelings are, the circumstances are, what the enemy's saying up here and, and, and trying to knock us off course, it feels like it takes every ounce of strength to be able to say something because what you're saying in terms of a hope to faith scenario sounds like I'm, I'm being unreal because this is what I feel. But actually God's word and what he does in us is more real and powerful 
than the feelings, what's going on here or what's going on around us. And when we come to him, we say, Father, I, 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 I lift my head towards you right now. I give you this situation. I give you the emotional turmoil. I give you the mental stress. I give you the circumstances. I give you all of the stuff that's going on in me at this moment. Father, I, I lay it all before you in a fresh way and I choose now, I choose just to lift my head towards you. I thank you that you are my hope. I thank you that you are my life. And I thank you that you are my strength. And I thank you, Father, that you lead me through this situation out the other side. And what you find as you begin to verbalize that and speak out the truth and respond to who he is in that moment, you find that the emotional turmoil begins to settle because his rest begins to settle instead. You find the mental turmoil begin to drain because you're fixing your eyes on him and a peace comes upon your mind. It's like the oppression and heaviness begins to leave. I believe there's a, there's a maturing that is going on for the church at this time. And some of that maturing is in the face of something that's been going on for eight or nine months or more now. And, and the bombardment we've had from the news and all the stuff that's going on and the noise. And we haven't been able to meet in the way that we normally do. Not, not just on a Sunday, but just in other scenarios in life, uh, let alone in small groups and in other scenarios. And, and, and things are very different and there hasn't been that, that normal. And sometimes it can feel, I mean, I know this current lockdown, it, it, I, I found it um, a bit more of a challenge uh, than the, the longer lockdown we had earlier in the, the year. Uh, in different ways. And I know at times I've had to really kind of like, you know, just rejoice, just make that decision. I'm going to choose to praise you. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to do uh, things in different ways. And, and sometimes we, we, because we don't choose to be oppressed, we don't choose to be cheesed off, we don't choose to feel down. Stuff just goes on in our lives for some reason or around us or whatever. And it's in those moments that we say, Father, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. My trust is in you. Now, I just want to uh, briefly go through Mark chapter 5, uh, a few verses in there, and the, the story that many of you will probably know well about the woman that had the issue of blood and was sick for 12 years, and then Jairus, the synagogue ruler, who came to Jesus to see his daughter healed. I want to just to pick a few things out of this, uh, where we talk about being a person or a people of hope, which leads to faith and then the outcomes God wants to see in our lives. And then what I want to do after that, I want to show you a sh very short little video clip of a friend of mine who's been through uh, an amazing, well, he's in the, I would say he's in the moment, right now at this time, is uh, living out a miracle in motion. That's what I would call it in terms of what God's doing in his life. And, and I believe it's really going to encourage you as a story of hope uh, of what God is doing right now in somebody rather than just, sometimes we can read stories out of the Bible and we can say, yeah, great, that was all right for them now, but what about today? And, and I just want to then just let you see this video in a few moments. So let's have a quick look at this story. Matthew 22, Matthew 5, verse 22. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. He, he must have heard about Jesus and he must have heard about the things that Jesus was doing. His daughter was sick and dying. And in that moment, as a parent, you would do anything possible for your child to be healed or become healthy in any way. And the initial thing that Jairus, his initial response is, man, if I could just get to Jesus, then hopefully, hopefully if I can get to Jesus and, and at least get his attention, I, I just hope if I can grab a hold of him, then I know if I can get him to my house, my daughter is going to be well. So he believed that he believed that if he could get Jesus to his house, his daughter is going to be made well. Now, Often as believers, we know that God can do things. 
We know that he can heal. We know that he is our wisdom. We know in our heads, but sometimes we're like, yeah, but will he be in this moment, those things for me? And so Jairus, knowing that if he could get Jesus there, his daughter would be healed. But he knew I've got to get there first. And hopefully when I get there, if I can get Jesus' attention, boom, then she is going to be well. And so he puts himself to, and, and he says here, he pleaded with Jesus, uh, if you will come to my house, she will be well. What was Jesus' response? He went with him. Now, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. In that moment, as a parent, what would that have been like? Now that your child is dying, but you've got the one hope, the one person that could do something. You've got the one hope with you, going with you, walking with you to see your daughter healed. In that moment, there's a T-bone moment. There is a left field moment. A woman who'd been sick for 12 years, spent all the money she had on doctors. Man, if... if Imagine if you were in that situation yourself, you'd been sick for that long, 12 years, you'd spend all the money you had. And because of the sickness she had, she was an outcast. She couldn't be with the community. She couldn't be with her family. Couldn't she be with her husband if, if she was married? Uh, and therefore she was in lockdown. She'd lived in lockdown for 12 years, isolated from everybody. She'd spent everything. She was, uh, all hope had gone. All hope had gone. That was it, done, stuffed, I've had it. But then what does it say? She'd heard, she heard about Jesus. She heard about this hope. Wow, I've heard about these stories. Somehow she heard, I don't know how she heard those stories because she lived in isolation. She was, a, 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 she was an outcast in, those, in that, that culture, in that scenario. But she, she heard about Jesus and she thought, this guy is my last hope, he is my last hope. If I can just get to him, I'm going to be healed. But she knew to get from where she was in isolation to where he was, she, he, she was going to have to press through. She was going to have to push through a crowd, but she knew if the crowd stopped her and realised who she was, she would be stoned for being in public because of the sickness that she had. But yet the hope that was in her, the strength of that hope to say, I've got to get to my answer. I've got to get to the one who can heal me was stronger than the isolation around her. That hope in her was stronger than what others might say or do to her. The hope in her, knowing that Jesus was the answer for her, was never going to put her off. This is it. And at that moment, she pressed through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd. Nothing was going to stop her. And she managed to grab hold of the, the, the robe that Jesus was wearing, the tassels that he was wearing. And, and she tugged on those, knowing if I can just grab his garment, I will be healed. The hope that she had pushed her through by with faith to touch him at that moment and then power was released and she was completely healed. What happened in that moment? Jesus stopped everything and he said, hey, who touched me? The disciples were like, come on, Jesus, there's loads of people. Look at everybody around you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. Power's just gone out from me. Why? Because somebody that put, was, put their hope in him, you're my only hope approached him with faith. I'm going to grab hold of you in the midst of isolation, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of what could have been trouble for her and the end of her life. She was like, no, I am not going to be deterred. In this moment, I'm going to grab hold of him and something's going to change in my life at this moment. I believe that's the kind of hope that God wants to put in us at this moment, that we don't gradually drop our heads down because of circumstances or a virus or whatever else might be going on. We encourage one another, we build one another, but we lift our heads and we say, no, I'm not going to stay isolated in here. I'm not going to stay isolated in here. I'm not going to stay isolated around me in whatever way, shape or form. I'm going to take hold of God in a fresh way and I'm going to push through that and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to live in who I am as a child of God. I am going to receive all that God promises me because I'm a person of hope, taking hold of that with faith. Now, imagine the dad at that moment, Jairus. What, um, what, was, he, what was he doing? 
I mean, he just got hope on his way to his house. Suddenly he's interrupted. Jesus has stopped. He's, he's chatting to a woman who'd just been healed and the crowds. I mean, what would, a, what would a parent be going through at that moment? It's like, hang on, Jesus. No, no, no. There's no time for this, mate. This is the wrong moment. No, just come back to this later. You know, and we'd be like, Jesus, come on, come on, come on where you are. And, and what did Jesus do? Jesus noticed Jairus was freaking out. Jesus knows what's going on in us. Even though Jesus was concentrated on that woman at that moment saying, well, who touched me? Who touched me? She came trembling, thinking she was going to be in trouble. But when she came to him, what did he say? He says, daughter. I love the way he says that. He says, daughter. What? How, how does he say that? Because he says, you belong to me. You're mine. You're my daughter. He says, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go, live in peace, live in health, get back to your family, enjoy your life, live in the fullness of your health and wholeness. That's our God, that's, that's God's heart for you and I. That's God's heart for people. In the midst of that, Jairus gets some bad news. Don't worry the rabbi, don't worry the master, don't worry the teacher, your daughter's died. In that moment, Jesus turns and says, hey, Jairus, it's all right, don't freak out. You came to me as your hope believing that there was going to be a great outcome. Nothing's changed from when you came five, ten minutes ago because I'm on the way with you to fulfil that hope with faith to see that outcome that you're believing for. So don't be put off by something else that might seem a distraction on the way because I've started with you, I'm coming with you, I'm going to finish with you. And that's what Jesus was saying to this guy. And, and in the natural, people were going, well, don't be ridiculous, Jesus. The, the, the girl's dead. It's too far. It's like the woman in isolation. You, you're stuffed. You've had it. You can't go amongst the people. The girl's dead. You can't go. And, and he said, so he went with Jairus, gets to the house. What does he say? He gets all the mourners out. And he says, she's only asleep. It's amazing how Jesus looks at something. Amazing how Jesus sees something. Sometimes we look, well, often we look at our lives in certain ways. And, and one of the things that's so, so important when there's challenge going on in our lives is to hear from God and get his perspective on it. Because God's perspective is different from our perspective. That's why it's all right, I think, at the moment. Listen to the headline news just to hear generally what's going on. But don't absorb your life with all the news going on all the time. Uh, we know there's a virus out there and we know it's a challenge. We know the government is trying to make the best decisions it can do. Let's not lambast the government. Let's not have a go at people this time. Let's pray for the government, whether you like Boris or not, or the Tories or not, whoever. Let's pray for them. They are in power at this moment. Let's pray they have wisdom, make the right decisions. In the Nobody's been through this before. Everybody thinks they have a better view now in hindsight. The government should do this, that and the other. But in the moment, they're trying to make the best decisions. No matter what we all think, we are in this moment. Let's pray for them. Let's bless them. Let's speak well of them. Let's get through this thing. In, in a way that really honours God, in the way we pray for our leaders. That's just a little aside uh, at, at this moment. But let's get God's perspective on things. Because when you get God's perspective, what you say is then different than if it was from our perspective. Jesus says, no, we're going to go in and wake her up. Doesn't faith sometimes sound ridiculous? Faith sometimes sounds unrealistic. Well, she's dead. But he says, no, she's asleep. Because Jesus' perspective is different than ours. So important to hear God in our lives where we are so that we see things how he does. You know, when you've heard something from God and that hope rises. You see light at the end of the tunnel. You see the possibility and you move towards it because you want to step over that threshold into the reality of what God says. You're convinced on the inside. You don't have to try and convince yourself of anything. When you've heard from God, you just know. There's like a knowing in you, well, well God has spoken. It might sound ridiculous, might seem, but God has said, you're in a place of rest and peace. And that's how we want to live in our lives. And that's how God wants us to live 
in our lives. And when he speaks into us, the first thing that happens is hope begins to rise that then turns into faith as we believe what God is saying and then we act upon it and move towards it. I want to show you this little video clip. It's only about a minute and 20 seconds, something like that. Uh, some of you guys might know uh, this friend of mine, David Hazeldean. And uh, David and his wife, uh, Sam, uh, were part of Kingdom Faith many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, Dave was, both of them were on the team actually. And Dave was part of the youth team with me a long time ago. And his wife, Sam, uh, worked for Pastor Colin. Uh, and great couple. And, and uh, they've been in done all sorts of things, helped to plant churches, been in ministry, uh, Dave's worked in local council, local authority in different places and Sam currently works um, in, uh, in, in a government situation. And just over a year ago in October last year, uh, David being in, in normal health, fine, uh, just had a bit of a headache one day, didn't feel too brilliant, just said to his wife, don't feel so good today. Took a couple of paracetamols, just think, well, it'll, it'll go. And then later that evening, uh, just collapsed. And he's, he was 45 at the time and had a stroke. And basically, the kind of stroke that he had at 45 is the type of stroke you normally have when you're in your 80s and 90s because of the nature of it. Uh, and he had a huge blood clot right at the, the, the back of the base of his, um, his, his head, his brain. And because of where the blood clot was and the size of it, they couldn't actually do anything with it because it was too dangerous to try and deal with it. And, and so he had this stroke and, and when he came round, uh, he, he obviously didn't know what happened to him. Uh, but when he came round, he was in hospital um, and he was in what is medically called lockdown, where uh, your whole body is shut down. You can't move anything. You can't even move your eyelids. You can't even flutter them. You can't move anything. And he was in total lockdown. And when he came round uh, 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 a few days later, um, he could hear everything. This is his story now. He, he could hear everything. Uh, and, and everything that was going on around him, but he couldn't communicate anything whatsoever. And when he realised at that moment, he, he realised, I'm in hospital um, and I can hear everything, but I can't speak. Uh, I can't move anything. Uh, and he, he began to realise, I don't know if anybody who I can hear knows that I can hear them. And, and I mean, in that moment, I don't know what, what you'd have done, but I mean, it had been in that moment, it'd been very easy to, to freak out in that moment thinking, oh my word, I can't move anything. I can't communicate. Uh, I don't even know what's happened to me. And, and I can hear everything, but I can't, but nobody knows I'm, 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 I can, I'm here in that sense. And uh, in that moment, he said to the Lord, he, he was kind of like, God, what is going on? And in that moment, God spoke to him and said, David, everything is going to be okay. And he said at that moment, he just, he had this, this sense of peace that just came on him. It was like, I don't, I don't know and understand what is going on, but, you, but you, I've just heard the Lord say, everything will be okay. Now, without going into all the story, uh, I'm just, I want to explain this to you because the little video clip we're going to show you is an, is an absolute miracle and it's a miracle in motion. Um, uh, when, when he, he uh, at one point could, at least one of his eyelids, he could begin to move it and one of the nurses one day noticed that he was moving his eyelid and so they then um, realised, they asked, asked David, can you, actually, can you actually hear us? If you can, can you flutter your eyelid a bit? And he fluttered his eyelid. David will try that again. Can you hear us? Can you hear me? And he fluttered his eyelid. And, and then they began to realise that he could understand everything, but he couldn't, couldn't communicate. And, and obviously, as they were going through that process, most, most people who have this never recover. Um, and uh, many don't live that long uh, either. 
uh, after they've had this particular stroke. Um, and certainly people don't, don't walk again or many don't talk. Uh, they can't go back to a normal life in any, in any way. And I just want to show this video clip because it's an amazing clip of hope uh, and the miracle that is in motion. So let's have a, let's have a look at, at this. It's an update from Dave a few weeks ago as to how he's doing. Just want to say a massive thank you for everyone who prayed for me this year and I also want to thank all the staff at the um, ICU at St George's and the Maple Ward at Lewisham and all the staff and therapists at um, RHN in Putney. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Don't you love what God does in people's lives? Uh, they said that David might not ever talk again um, because he had to have tracheotomy and other things in his to throat and to breathe and they're trying to get his voice going for ages. And, and, and Dave's a preacher, uh, loves to preach and great communicator. And uh, they said you might not ever be able to talk again, let alone preach or anything. And, and Dave's beginning to speak and the muscles are all coming back and one side of his body is doing great, another side is on its way back. And is, is, uh, God is doing a miracle there. And I wanted to show you that as a story of hope that is unfolding. Now, just before uh, the few months running up to, obviously Dave didn't know he was going to have a stroke, but God began to speak to him about the, God's mercy in our lives. And, and Dave did about a year studying about God's mercy and, and, and how God has been merciful to him in his life in various ways. And he, he's written a book called The Majestic Meaning of Mercy. And he just about finished the book when, boom, he had this stroke. And uh, while he's been recovering and, and he's had some amazing times with God, obviously over this last year, while he's been recovering uh, and his body's been beginning to kind of uh, get all his movement back and everything else, which is, which is in part, I mean, the medical guys are using him now as a, as a test case because of what's gone on uh, in him and he, all the feedback he can give them through all the treatment, which they've never been able to have with somebody who's had that particular scenario before. So God's doing something amazing uh, in there. And, and he's now finished that and, and managed to sort of re-edit uh, uh, the book uh, as a result of that. And, uh, and when we've seen him a couple of times or went up to hospital a few times to see him, been to his home recently uh, before the last, this current lockdown that we've just come out of and uh, spent some time, he, he just constantly was talking about God's mercy in his life. God's mercy. We talk a lot about God's grace that enables us to live in the way that God wants us to, but it was God's mercy that we're never treated as we deserve. God does things in our lives that we just don't deserve. And, and, and it's just this amazing unfolding story of the majesty of God's mercy. And uh, so I want you to encourage you, you can, I think there's a slate that might be going up um, in a moment. The, the majestic meaning of mercy uh, if, if not, you can go on Amazon, Google it, The Majestic Meaning of Mercy, and you can uh, get David's book uh, there. What I want to do in the new year is get him to record a message and, uh, and, and give his testimony, but just preach a little bit on that and what God's doing uh, in him. And uh, so we're, Jane and I and, and others that know him, been praying for him and we've been giving glory to, to God for what he's doing in his life. But I want to encourage you as a story of hope. If God can take someone that 
in every way was in lockdown and medically speaking was impossible. What, what you saw in that video, they said would, would, he would never be able to do. Uh, and, 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 but he's still improving all the time. And he's already started to write another book already, which is, which is uh, brilliant in terms of uh, how God's going to multiply the fruitfulness of, of his life. So I want to pray, right? And I want us to pray together. And we're going to deal with some stuff where we've lost some hope, okay? So let's just take a moment. If you have been weary and burdened, Jesus says, come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anybody, if you've been weary at the moment for whatever reason, just bring yourself, not just the weariness, but yourself, Bring yourself before him now. God, I'm here right before you. I thank you for this message of hope this morning that I needed to hear. Hope, there is a way through. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Healing is on its way. And today is a day of healing. And I believe that God wants to heal people physically this morning. There's some stuff going on in different people's bodies. And God wants you to receive your healing today. Maybe some of you have lost sight of him being your healer because maybe the circumstances or, uh, have, have got on top of you in that or, or the diagnosis of, uh, has got on top of you in that sense. And Father, I thank you right now as we, we come before you, I thank you that your health and the wholeness overcome us in this moment. And so we take authority over sickness. We take authority over symptoms. We take authority over the diagnosis. We don't ignore it and say, it's not real, it's not real. We know the reality of a diagnosis, but we also take hold of the reality and the power of your word into our lives. And Father, I thank you as hope is rising right now in people, in their homes, taking hold of you afresh right now in the circumstances that are relevant for them. I thank as we take hold of that hope by faith, we take hold of our health, our wholeness and our healing. And together we speak over our bodies right now. We command sickness to go. We command the symptoms to leave. We command health to be released in our bodies. And we take hold of your healing power right now into our lives in Jesus' name. There might be some other things, practical circumstances, maybe your business, your work environment, your work world right now in this moment. Maybe there's challenge. Maybe you need some decisions. Maybe it's like, I need some clients, customers. I need some new business to come in. Well, let's agree together right now where there's been a weariness. Just, just release that now to the Lord. I just give you this weariness. I give you the concern. I give you the worry. I give you the anxiety. I believe one or two people who have their own businesses, you've, you've been waking up at night and just, just weary, just uh, in anxiety. God, what's going on? What, what's, and I believe God's coming upon you right now saying, it's okay. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Cast your cares and your worries on me right now. And Father, I thank you that you speak and give clarity to decisions and next steps for those that have a business, those that are uh, leading what they do in their workplace and need to make some decisions. Father, I thank you for your wisdom, your insight at this moment for people. Father, I thank you for your favour as, as people respond to do what you say to do. I thank you new customers, clients and contracts are going to come in. Even when others say that's impossible, it's not the time for this. We thank you that you're not restricted by the time and the circumstances. We thank you that you know how to do the, the impossible becoming possible. And I thank you for that release. Even in this coming week, I thank you for your provision of new work, custom, clients, contracts, business. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for this season of hope. 
that we can be a people of hope to those around us in our street, in our community. The way we talk would be life and hope and encouragement because we have a hope in us, an anchor of hope in us that cannot be uprooted, that cannot be taken up because you're the anchor of our soul, the anchor of our life. And Father, I thank you for miracles in motion. I believe there's two or three people where you need a miracle in your life. And I believe God is going to set off a miracle in motion like we've seen in David in that video this morning. God's going to begin a miracle in motion and continue a miracle in motion from today. So just grab a hold of God if you need a miracle right now. Maybe just put your hands out in front of you and, and maybe just do this. Maybe just take hold of God right now and say, God, I take hold of you afresh right now. I thank you for my miracle in motion in my body right now. And I thank you for the release of that miracle in motion, health, wholeness, total well-being in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. And Father, I just pray for those right now that are watching that don't know you that don't know you, they don't know the reality of who you are. You might be watching today, maybe the first time, you don't know who Jesus is, the first time you've connected in and, I, and, and great for you to join us this morning. And you can put your hope in who God is this morning. Maybe you simply just want to say as a starting point, Jesus, I don't understand everything. I've heard this stuff this morning. Something inside me is going off saying this is real. This is real and I need to, I need to know this reality. I need to know this God in a real way. If that's where you are, simply this morning, just say, God, I need to know you and I want to know you. I want to take a first step towards you today. Giving your life to Jesus is simple, but I don't want to rush through just a, a, a little prayer and say, well, great. What we love to do if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, give your life to him, is, is, is contact us, all right? Info at kingdomfaith.com. Send us an email, right? Kevin, like who was up here earlier, would love to get in touch with you. I'll get in touch with you. Whoever, you know, people you've seen on here this morning, you might have seen some of the guys in the worship. Well, faces that you've known or seen, or maybe there's somebody in your room where you are now, and you're lying in your living room that knows Jesus. You can turn to them and say, hey, how do I give my life to Jesus? We'd love to help you in your next step in your life in terms of what God is going to do so you can surrender everything to Him. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.